So we are in a series called Time for a Change, and what we've been talking about is change. We've been talking about um, the fact that God has a vision for your life. He, he has a dream for your life, uh, and that dream is that you would give him everything that you are, that you would give, turn over your entire heart to him. And he knows what your life would look like if you did that, if you decided to uh, honor him with your time and honor him with your money and honor him uh, as you serve others and do all these types of things. But like we've been talking about in this series, change is hard. And, you know, there are some things that when it comes time to change, it's very difficult. So if, you've, if you have a certain body shape, and um, you'd like to change that body shape by working out, that is difficult. If you want to change that body shape by dieting, that is very hard. And, uh, and so that's, that's tough. If you want to change your spending habits, and you've been spending for a, a, a long time in a lot of different areas, that becomes difficult. So we've, we talked about that, that change is very difficult. We also talked about what happens in an area of your life um, that seems almost impossible to change. Maybe you've tried before. Maybe, um, maybe it's something that was taken from you uh, when you were young, and uh, you don't ever know how you're going to get that back. And so we talked about the prophet Ezekiel talking about the valley of dry bones and asking the question, can these uh, uh, bones live? And so uh, we, we talked about that. And this morning, um, what we're going to talk about is something a little difficult. It's when God doesn't change. Now, we know that God doesn't change. That's part of his nature. He's an unchanging God. But I mean specifically, when God doesn't change your circumstances. You get into those situations where you think, is this ever going to end <laughs> And I, I know for some of us in, in this uh, room, we've lost loved ones. And that pain of having to go through that, it just feels like it just won't go away. For others of us, we found out about a diagnosis. And, uh, and now we go through the process of from diagnosis to, to some type of healing. And some of you are in pain this morning, you know, because of whatever, hips and uh, uh, shoulders and uh, all sorts of stuff. Okay, will, 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 will that ever end? And here's the thing. You pray, and you pray, and you pray, and nothing seems to change. Where is God in that? What do we do when we're praying for change that only God can bring, and God's not bringing it? If he's silent, does that mean he's absent? What is that? And how do we get through those seasons of our lives? And how do we help others in, uh, through the seasons of our lives? Well, here's what I'm hoping to do this morning. For those of you who are in a situation where you've been praying and praying and praying and praying, and it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. As a matter of fact, in some of your cases, you've been praying, and it's like, I'm going to stop praying, because ever since I started praying, it's actually gotten worse. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop right now. You know? I'm hoping that by the end of the uh, day, this, the end of this morning, you will um, have a sense of hope. And that you will have some tools in your pocket to be able to meet God in the midst of that difficulty. The way this came about for our family, um, as many of you know, eight years ago, our son was diagnosed with epilepsy. And that uh, the initial seizures, just, it was just kind of staring off into space. 
Um, and so I just assumed he wasn't paying attention to me because why should it be any different than any other day? Uh, and, and, uh, and so as we started to notice uh, it getting worse and worse and then it was staring into space and kind of walking around and then we began, we, we, we had the diagnosis that that's what it was. So we did what anybody would do. We just started praying, Lord, remove this from our lives. And so we prayed that all the time, constantly. Um, and, and, uh, and so we kept praying, and the, and the seizures kept getting uh, worse. Everything started, was getting worse. And so we did, uh, we went to, I remember one year, um, I, uh, I, our whole Southern California conference had this um, uh, annual conference, and all the pastors were there. So you, you got to figure, like 70 pastors, okay? And they all laid hands on my son. Prayed, 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 prayed. The seizures got worse. And we, we had the elders of the church. So James says, bring, bring your sick to the elders of the church and they'll anoint them with oil and pray for them and they'll be healed. And uh, the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so we were claiming that and we had uh, them pray for him and the seizures got worse. And then we took him to a healing room and uh, just because people were getting healed at this place. So we thought, well, we'll, we'll do that. I mean, what do you, I don't care how it happens just so long as it happens. And that, that didn't help. And we took him to people who have the gift of faith, that really gift of healing and faith. And, and they prayed for him and uh, nothing worked. Now, what, where is God in that? Why, why would God allow that to happen, and not only allow that to happen, but allow it to decline. Some of you are in that particular situation right now, and there are a couple things I want to, before we get into the scripture, and show, I want to show you four different sections of scripture uh, that address this issue, uh, is uh, you have to understand that the Bible never, ever eludes to suggests, guarantees, even hints at a life without difficulty. The Bible does not hint that you will have a life without difficulty. Now, there's portions of the Bible that talk about God's blessing. There's portions of the Bible that talk about God's discipline. Uh, We know that sometimes God does allow us to go through things because he's disciplining us. In Hebrews, it says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we know that God does do that, but never in the Bible. And if you've been taught a doctrine that states that when you live a righteous life and you do all this stuff, you will not encounter difficulty. That is a Bible we're not familiar with. There is enough brokenness in this world, pain and brokenness in our world, we're in a broken world, to account for all of your pain and brokenness. (laughs) We're just in a broken world. And so I wanted to point that out just in case you have a doctrine where right now you're going through something difficult and you think that God is punishing you, that God is angry with you. Um, That might not be the case. Uh, It might be that just things happen in life. And so I appreciate uh, this next verse that we're going to look at. It was written by Jesus' half-brother, James. 
And uh, as I've said before, James is uh, he's one of my favorite writers because I think he's ADD like I am, uh, because he, he writes all over the map. It's like, dude, just stay on one topic, you know? So he's writing and then squirrel, then he's on to something else, and then he comes back to it again and all this kind of stuff. So I, I appreciate that about James. The other thing I appreciate about James is that he actually believed that his half-brother was God, which to me, imagine... It, this, this is proof to me that Jesus was who he said he was. Because if your brother thinks you're God, okay, you, you've done a really good job in life, okay? Like some of you've got siblings and you're, you're, you're like, oh no, the devil maybe, but not, not God, okay? Jesus actually convinced his brother through his life that he was God, which I just think is fantastic. So anytime James wants to write something, I want to I listen. And James has the audacity to start his letter, his book, uh, he introduces himself, and then he just launches right into this verse that we're going to see in a second. And while this verse might seem impossible, and while it might feel like um, uh, a little depressing, because it, James is acknowledging that you're going to have difficulty in your life if you don't right now, there's a really good chance that it'll, it's coming. Uh, this is what James says. Consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How in the world is that possible? Like, really, how is that possible? James has gotten to a place in his relationship with his heavenly father that he can say, when you encounter a trial, you can consider it pure joy. That you can, you can, you can face that issue. You know, they start laying off people at work. And all of a sudden, you get into your cubicle, and there's a pink piece of paper, and it says, you're next. And you're just like, oh, awesome. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. How do you do that? James says it's possible. Now, listen to what he says, because this is so important. And this is, as you're going through your thing that, that, that might have been going on for years, this is where we meet God. Okay, so he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know that. You know that in all sorts of areas of your life. If I go to the gym and I say I had a really hard workout and now I can't move my arms, you'd be, what would you say? Good for you. Because you know that, that, that the more I exercise those muscles and the more I fatigue them and all that, the stronger I'm going to get. In, in my finances, if I say, look, oh man, this, this month, we just, we just stuck to our budget and we didn't, we didn't go out to eat, we didn't uh, um, uh, buy anything frivolous, um, I, you know, we didn't even uh, water the lawn, we just, we like stuck to it, we were on it. You'd go, oh, good for you. I know that was hard, but you're going to reap the benefits later. Could it be that God, your heavenly Father, knows that as you and he go through this challenge together, that he, through his infinite wisdom, knows exactly the type of person you're going to be on the other side of it? And he says, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Listen to this. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work. 
Isn't it true? I don't know if you're like me, but I don't want perseverance to finish its work. I want it fixed now, preferably yesterday, regardless of what it is. Whether it's traffic, whether it's something at work, whether it's a neighbor, um, it's like, Lord, you can, you can wipe that neighbor out. You can. I would be okay with that. You can do it. They're playing their music very loud. You just, with one little thumb, just right on the stereo, there we go, we're done. It's done. You can do that. But here's the promise. <laughs> that one's going to come back to bite me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, here's the promise that, that God, listen to me, please. God will not waste any bit of your pain. He won't waste an ounce of it. So whatever you're going through now, whatever I am going through now, God's not going to miss that. He's not going to waste that. He's going to use it to grow us and to shape us and to mold us and to strengthen us. Even in the midst of us saying, God, please take it away. Erase it. Get rid of it. Please, please, please. I'll uh, show you another section of scripture. This is um, uh, the David um, was with King Saul and he would play music and uh, he was kind of in the palace and doing all this kind of stuff and Saul got jealous of David and started chasing him down to kill him, okay? So this is part of David's story is that he was in, in with the king and then the king turned on him and then he was being chased by the king, sleeping in caves, trying to find water, trying to find food, all this kind of stuff. And, and so David was, was just going through this period of time that was very, 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 very difficult. Somebody was trying to kill him. <laughs> so just kind of think about that. Like, yes, I've got problems, but not that I know of. No one's trying to kill me, right? Okay. And so, and so this was David saying, and this, this psalm was written at the end when he was able to look back over um, that period of his life. And here's what he says. And, 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 and I'm, I'm hoping that some of these words will resonate with you as you're going through it now. As for the Lord, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And then we have a rule here at Living Spring that if the Bible asks you a question, you're supposed to answer that question, okay? So it does, the Bible doesn't ask questions just to, for you to contemplate it. This is the question the Bible has for you. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God. In other words, where else are you going to go in the midst of this difficulty that is going to satisfy? Where else are you going to go? Are you going to go to money? Are you going to go to your health? Are you going to go to what? Like who is a better rock in times of trial? Who is a better fortress in times of difficulty than the Lord our God? And this is the question David has. He goes on. It is God who arms me with the strength and keeps my way secure. Now, why would you need strength if you're never, ever going to go through anything difficult, right? David is almost promising that he's the one who strengthens. He's the one who, who uh, uh, makes a way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. Why would you need hands trained for battle if you were never going to be in battle? 
My arms can bend a bow of bronze. How did his arms, I mean, this figuratively speaking, but how did that happen? Because he had gone through this season. And he's looking back and he's saying, God, throughout that whole time when I was fleeing, and we can read some of the songs he wrote while he was fleeing, uh, he was struggling, okay? Okay, some of them are like really depressing. And so, and, but now he gets to look back and he says, man, now my arms are strong and I, I see things the way they are. And God, I'm looking back and God was faithful, 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 faithful. He says, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. So how do we do this? How do we, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial, in the midst of trying to get through certain seasons of our lives, how, how do we do that? Well, Jesus, um, we're going to look at something Jesus says, and then we're going to look at something Jeremiah, this old, old prophet, uh, says. Jesus, uh, it was no stranger to trials. Uh, he was no stranger to difficulty. Um, it says in the Bible that uh, sometimes his ministry was so busy they didn't even have time to eat. Um, uh, he told somebody one time that wanted to follow him and said, um, essentially, uh, it's not, it ain't no picnic, okay? Like, he says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Like, it's not going to be a, a ministry of comfort with a toupee and a jet that he's flying all around and uh, trying to figure that out. It's going to be hard, and Jesus was no stranger to that. And so at the end of Jesus' ministry, he also was talking to his disciples and in turn talking to us to go, look, I... I'm going to go die, and so I need, I need you to get some things down. And here's what he says. And, and, and this goes to our Heavenly Father and how he uses difficulty to strengthen us, how he uses um, trials sometimes to, to, to build us up and to draw us closer to him. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener, that, that whole uh, idea there, if you want to get fancy in the Greek, it's a master gardener. He's, he's like the best gardener there is. I was watching uh, yesterday the dog whisperer. Uh, have you ever seen that guy? He's, he's incredible. He, like, like the dog was barking and all he did be, that's what he did. And the dog stopped barking. I don't even know. I'm so off topic right now. But I tried it <laughs> with my dog. My dog looked at me like, dude, what's your problem? Like, you know, it was weird. Okay, so he's like the master dog trainer. God is the master gardener. I had a picture. I, I didn't put it in here, but I took it of our garden in the front of our house. Lisa's really good at uh, planting stuff and making it grow. And then I'm good at eating whatever that is. And, uh, and so it's really cool because we'll have neighbors come by and they'll, they'll ask me. I try to pretend that I did it. And, um, and so they'll ask me what it is and I'll go, I don't know, that, that one's a green, green one. And uh, this one's, a, I think it's broccoli. But, but this garden, when you see the garden like now, it just looks healthy. It's, it's just, the, everything's big and, and real firm and just, man, it, it looks just so awesome. This, this, is the, this is the vision God has for your life and Him. That, that there would be strength and health. Now, listen, to keep that garden going, there's lots of pruning and lots of changing and lots of pulling out and lots of turning over and all of that stuff. And sometimes it feels like that's all God is doing to us, is pulling out plants. <laughs> 
But I assure you, he is the master gardener. And when we get pruned, oftentimes things in our life uh, he, that God prunes back actually looks healthy. <laughs> but when you prune something, it, its sole dependence is on the vine. And for those of you who are here right now in one of those seasons where you think, I keep praying and it keeps getting worse, your sole dependence is in Jesus Christ, the true vine. And you're, you know that your father, your heavenly father, the master gardener, is not going to waste any of this situation. He's not going to miss anything. He's going to use it to grow you. And so he says, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. Here's what... Here's what he says about six verses later. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the sad word (laughs) that I have for you this morning. Sometimes, sometimes the only way to grow and the only way to reach the place that God has for you is to go through difficult situations. And, and, and in the midst of it, it's hard to see. In the midst of it, uh, you just want it to be over. And you, you're just saying, look, God, just take it away. I'll do anything. I, I, I promise I won't do this anymore. Or I promise I'll, I'll become a missionary. Just whatever. whatever. I, you know, we make these deals with God, these bargains with God. And he sits there because he's your, the master gardener. And he says, the only way, the only way you're going to get to where you want to be is you're going to have to go through this situation. The, uh, so we kept praying and um, we kept taking Jesse to different places and trying different things and going through medication after medication. And, um, and so he had gone through a, a series of about nine months where he didn't uh, have a seizure um, and so we're thinking this is it. Like all, all of our hard work paid off. We went to the healing room. I had 70 pastors, uh, which they turned out to be useless. Anyway, um, so uh, I had, we did that. We had, uh, you know, we had all, all, these, all these things going on. And so he, he went nine months. And on Christmas Eve, he started seizing again. And I just gave up. I just said, you got me. I'm, there's no hope. I, I had no hope. And, uh, and so I had already started thinking, I was telling Lisa this uh, yesterday, um, I said, you know, I was planning on planting a church in San Francisco because it has such a good public transportation system that we could just, because you can't drive and have seizures, so we'll just live in San Francisco, I'll plant a church there, and, and then we can just kind of go do our thing. I, I, was, I, was, com- I was completely done, and, um, and, uh, and, and that's where I was at. I feel I, I I didn't necessarily feel like God had abandoned me. I just felt like He just wasn't gonna take take this away, and so 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 that's where I was, and that's where this section of scripture in Jeremiah comes in because um, it's really really important what Jeremiah says. Um, the the verse I'm about to show you is a famous verse. Some of you might have it like on a plate in your kitchen or something, or on a plaque maybe uh, in one of your rooms. And don't when I destroy this verse for you. Uh, Don't take it down. It's really important. But we take this verse out of context all the time. 
And we use it in ways to make ourselves feel good while someone else is in pain. We, we try to use it encouraging, but let me just share with you, if someone is in true, deep pain, don't walk up to them and quote this verse. They'll punch you in the neck, okay? It just, it's just not... It, 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 when I give you the context, the, the verse will mean more than it ever has to you before. But here's the verse. I'll give it to you. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, when somebody's going through a very difficult time, that is not the time to just quote that scripture verse to them. It sounds great. But let me give you the context of what's happening here. Israel, and this, this was written at about between around 500 and 600 BC, okay? And Israel had been divided into two different sections, the north and the south. And Babylon had come and taken about 10,000 of their smartest, wealthiest, most attractive people and brought them to Babylon. They just, they, they exiled them to Babylon, took them away from their thing and uh, uh, made them part of their community. And so what was happening at the time was they're in exile and there were a bunch of false prophets in Babylon going, oh, this isn't going to last very long. This isn't going to last very long. Like trying to just make everybody feel better. And they were popular prophets, as you can imagine, because good news, if I'm giving you good news all the time, I can say, what, you know, whatever, then, uh, you know, kind of put it in election terms. If I can make you feel good, you'll vote for me. And this was kind of what was happening there. And God was not pleased at all. Because the fact of the matter is, it wasn't going to last a short time. It was going to last a long time. And so Jeremiah writes this letter to the exiles there. And he says, he says this, essentially... He says, get married, have babies, build houses, plant gardens, eat from that garden, and pray, from the, pray for the city. It's like a five-point uh, thing that he wants th- them, them to do. Get married, have kids, build houses, build gar- you know, make gardens, and pray for your city. And then it's just this great little line in there. It says that uh, essentially when the city is blessed, uh, then you'll be blessed. Okay, so, so that, was the, that was the thing. And he says to them, this is going to last 70 years. Now, I just want you to get into the context of what's happening here, where this verse fits in. Because what, basically scholars argue over what the, which 70 years it was. Okay, some think it was from the beginning of the first exile. Others believe that it was start from when they got back to Jerusalem and count back 70 years and that's when it was and um, other scholars believe that 70 is just the Bible's way of saying it ain't going to happen in your lifetime okay that's like 70 years was was the span of life and so for most of the people who were reading that what the whole letter was basically saying is you're not getting out of this you're not getting out of this you're not going to be delivered. Now, later on in a, in a little bit, it does say that, that there will be a deliverance, but not to the people who are reading it. They're stuck in captivity. Now, here's the word the Lord has for you. The plans that God has for you, plans to bless you and not harm you, to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future, happen even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of trial. 
that it's not a promise of deliverance out of something. It's a promise of his presence. It's a promise that he will sustain to give you hope, to give you a future, that even in the midst of captivity, you can still survive. You can build houses. You can get married. Life goes on because you have a heavenly father that cares for you. And so this verse sits right in the middle of you're not getting out of it in your lifetime. Now watch what the next verse says and the ones after it, which just, I think, will hopefully help you as you enter into this week and you you enter difficult things. Because the whole point of the difficulty and the whole point of the thing is not escape. It's intimacy. Watch what he says. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. See this? Like in the midst of that trial, you'll come to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then this is just the, this is the, this is the verse we should be quoting to each other. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. There are some things in life that we have to go through because Life can be painful that will draw us closer to our Heavenly Father than if we had a life of comfort. So uh, here's a picture. Um, this was one of the annual conferences I was at with uh, the, only, the only thing about this picture, you don't even need to worry about what the picture's of. It's just that's where I was sitting, okay? It's just my perspective of where I was sitting. So Jesse had had his seizures. Uh, it started up again. I was done figuring out, okay, where can, where can we move? What are we going to do? How do we move on? Just accept it, you know, whatever. When my friend uh, John Hansen, who's a uh, pastor of a church in Marietta, Center Point, got up and he said, there's some people in this room that have lost hope. And as clear as day in my spirit, I heard, that's you. And I'm like, that is me. And he said, it's time for you to hope again. And so uh, at that point, I had thought about, um, just the thought came to me, like, I, I think he's going to be healed through brain surgery. I think that, that's the path we're supposed to take. This is all, I was just sitting right there. All this is going on in, in, my, in my mind during that time. And so we began that path. And, and then in February, he had the brain surgery, and now uh, he's been seizure-free for 13 months. And he, here's, here's, here's the thing, though, and, and I think I'm being honest when I say this. I, I still, I'm still not sure. You're like, how can you not be sure if you're honest? But I, I think I could say I, I wouldn't go, I'd, I'd do it again. I, I think I could say, having gone through it, and learned what I learned about my relationship with my Heavenly Father and my own issues and my own insecurities and all these kinds of things, I think I could say, I don't know. I, I mean, but I just feel like I know things about God that I wouldn't have known had I not gone through that, if that makes sense. And so uh, now the story ends great, I mean, for now, right? I mean, uh, that we're, we're on the, the other end of that, and so we're, we, that's, that's awesome. We can't even believe we were talking about it yesterday, uh, just how different everything is now that those, those seizures aren't there. But for some of you, you're not at that place right now. 
You're not at the spot right now where it's over or that you have deliverance or that you feel like, oh, good, I get a, a sigh of relief. And here, here's the thing uh, I, I have for you. And I, I just, it's, a, it's the dumbest uh, prayer in the world. I mean, it's like the lamest rhyme. I told Lisa this yesterday, and she's like, seriously, dude, that's your point? Um, and uh, I mean, that's not what she said, but you could see. You could tell in her eyes. Uh, so I'm going to show you this rhyme, and you're going to, you can roll your eyes now, okay? It's really corny and everything, but, but here, here's the thing. I wish I prayed this more during the trial. I wish I had taken advantage of the pain more than I did. I wish I didn't try so much to escape or get done or stuff it or not talk to anybody about it. I, I wish I had embraced it more. I, let me put it this way. I think I could have done better in my pain and in the difficulty. And here's, here's the rhyme. I'm telling you, it's, it's corny, okay? Lord, teach me to embrace it before you erase it. Huh? See what I tell you. And don't go making a t-shirt. I already got a copy written, so I was just <laughs> my own thing. You try to see this all around town. I'm like, it's five bucks. Uh, but really, Lord, teach me to embrace it. Like, like so much of us wants to get rid of it. We don't want to go. And, and that's understandable. But imagine if we were a people who going back to James could say, consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. Because in that way, you will encounter God in a way that you couldn't had you not gone through it. And so, and so as uh, Audra comes back up, maybe this is just your prayer right now. This is the only thing you remember from this Sunday. Just, Lord, teach me to embrace it before you erase it. I'm going to focus more on embracing and growing and being strengthened and running to you and abiding in the vine and knowing that who, who is a God besides our God? Who is the Lord? And so... Um, what we typically do during this time is we, um, it's a time of, of quiet. It's a time of, uh, Audra is going to uh, probably read her poem and then um, uh, uh, that she writes while I'm preaching. I don't know if you guys knew that, but she writes those while I'm talking. So she's not paying attention at all. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, there she is. <laughs> um, right. But, but we do a number of things during this time all at the same time. The one thing we do is we fill out that connection card. And again, we cannot thank you enough for doing that. Every time you do that, it, it is an act of worship and it helps the leadership of this church uh, do our job. So thank you. And I also want to say this, not to brag, but okay. Uh, our return rate is like 92%, which is unheard of in a church, okay? Most of the times when churches do these connection cards, they start out real strong, and then they dwindle down, and then it's about 70%. We're at about 92, yeah, exactly. We're at about 92%, so that's pretty awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. But we, so we fill out those connection cards. We write our prayer requests down if you have any. Uh, this is the time where, uh, like jean Vier was saying as well, if, you, if this is your church home, we believe in sacrificial giving here. We, we just really do. We believe it's a, a way that connects us with God um, that we couldn't otherwise. And so uh, if this is the time that you, you bring an offering or you're preparing an offering or whatever, you can do that. Uh, we, some of us do that online already. But, that, but, here, but, but the other thing we do is we just try to connect with God with just one meaningful way. And so maybe for you this morning, you just say, Lord... If you're going through a difficult thing, Lord, 
Lord, teach me to embrace it before you erase it. Just help me not waste this pain. And that might, might be your prayer. For some of you, your go- life is great right now and there's no difficulty. And so maybe, Lord, show me how I can help support somebody through this. Like Jean Vier said, our, our rooted groups will be starting February 20th is our first meeting. If you want to get into one of those, they're 10 weeks long. You have to sit with people. Okay, so there is that, um, and there is some stuff to do. But this is a way, as a church, we have 100 people signed up already, so this is wonderful. Um, and so if you want to join us on the back of that connection card where it says, my next step is, just write rooted. Uh, next week, we're going to start contacting everybody to find out which groups uh, everybody is in. And um, it's a risk. It's a risk to, to, to do that for 10 weeks, but we're very, very excited about it. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus. Uh, in this broken world, we're going to find tribulation. Um, But you have overcome the world. You uh, went through difficulty. You know exactly how. And you also know, which is so amazing, the benefits that we can have by going through hardship. But Lord, we're also scared in some ways and... um, We want to do well. We want to make it through um, in a way that you're proud. So, Lord, help us do that. Help us do that as we um, sing this last song and prepare our offering and fill out our connection cards and pray to you. Lord God, may we make that connection. In Jesus' name, amen.